Yo, what's up guys? Welcome back to the kingdom. It's your boy Jay Mack. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know you've seen the title of this uh, episode and it says alert melanin drip. Um, and some of you may see it and, and be like, man, you spelled alert wrong. No, actually I didn't. Um, I want to give give uh, Maya an opportunity to kind of highlight her brand, her her husband's brand, and share you guys share with you guys a little bit more about uh, what the brand means, how you guys can, can uh, get in touch with them, and how you guys can represent. Remember, alert, Melinda Drew. Peace. Okay, um, so um, alert. You can follow um, alert clothing brand on IG or Facebook, um, any of those social uh, platforms. Um, his brand is all about being a, crea- a creator. Um, and one of the, one of his things that he stands for is in your essence, you are a creator. Um, and it's not about um, thinking about only as in your creator as being um, the guy. But if, if, if that's how you view it, then that's fine. But um, he's just trying to bring awareness to who you are as an individual and what it is that you're creating on your everyday basis. Um, and just using that platform to, to continue to bring awareness to whatever it is that you do um, on a personal or, or global level. Um, it's just all about being a creator. And let's 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 continue to create together. Definitely gonna put that up. And uh, I think there's a link in your Instagram to the to the website, right? Yep, there is. Um, yep, at alertclothingbrand.com. Um, he's, he's working on um, a lot of new things. He's in the in the midst of rebranding. Um, he's released his creator line, um, where he he talks about don't create shit, create dope shit. Um, he, he has his, uh, the, he has the eye, the all knowing, um, he's very, very in tune to, um, black knowledge and black power and things of that sort. So he just want, his biggest thing is just us as, as humans, um, as black, uh, individuals is is to, uh, to, to really embrace that. And his, his biggest thing is, um, his, his brand is called alert. And so what alert means, um, is spelled A L L I R T and it means abundance life, love, individuality, rebellion, and truth. I love it. <laughs> I love everything about it. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the kingdom. Uh, we have another special episode uh, here for you guys that I can't, can't wait uh, to, 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 to dive right into it. Uh, we have someone on, on the podcast who... <clears throat> Uh, is, is is a newbie to me, but uh, is a friend from afar, uh, and someone that like like everyone else here, uh, I've been able to 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 really um, just thank God for for this relationship and, and for what He's going to do. So I have to let you know up front, uh, up to this point, um, all the women, especially black women, shout out to black women, uh, that I've been able to, to 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 interview have been dope, and you definitely fit into that category. So. I can't wait. So who I have on the podcast is uh, someone that currently lives in Utah. Shout out to the Utah. Uh, is a basketball <laughs> junkie. Uh, she's recently been engaged. Uh, she's a HBCU grad. Uh, also, she represents the red, la- the ladies in red. Shout out to Delta. Um, and, you know, just overall, she's a really, really good person, you know. So um, I'm excited again. I can't 
Um, so yeah, so before I, I, I move forward, I want to, to to start off with a word in prayer and then kind of allow you to introduce yourself. Is that cool? Yep, that's fine. Let's do it. Awesome. So, oh man, our Father God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, for creating this and for seeing this um, and, and your purpose, God. Uh, we know that you operate in heaven, but you live here on earth with us uh, and, and, and in us and through us and around us, God. And so now we ask you, Lord, that you allow your, your presence, your peace, uh, your spirit, your voice to be uh, projected through uh, myself and the daughter that you brought onto, um, onto this podcast to share her kingdom uh, and the light that you've given her. And so, God, we uh, are grateful for what's about to come forth. Uh, and we praise you, Lord Jesus, for all the things that you got, that you have already done for us to get here today. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Amen. everybody, please give Miss Maya a round of applause as she introduce herself. Oh, man, Mr. Mack, thank you for having me. I sure do appreciate it. Um, so as you guys know, uh, my name is Maya Brooks. I am originally from Shepherd, Texas. And I, I really want to call out Shepherd, Texas because so Shepherd is very special and near and dear to me because Shepherd is a small town, small country town uh, right outside of Houston. And we had about, I'll say about a 3,000 population, right? So that's how small it is. So, And it really just makes me really proud when I get to introduce myself somewhere in a large setting or a large format, and I get to tell people that I'm from Shepherd, and I get all these questions. Oh, where's Shepherd? Where is that? And I always have to allude to saying, you know, it's, it's close to Houston. So they just like, and when they think about it or remind themselves, like, oh, she's from Houston. But I always make it my business to let people know, no, I'm not from Houston. Grew up around the Houston area. Family lives in Houston, but I am from Shepherd, Texas. <laughs> um, so from Shepherd, Texas, I went to Paul Quinn College where I um, was on the women's basketball team. And I pledged um, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So shout out to the Sarai's, um, if y'all listening. Um, and then um, from there, I actually um, started working for Walmart. So I graduated from Paul Quinn in May, and I started working for Walmart in June. And I have been with Walmart ever since. So that's, that's been about eight years now. Um, wow. So, yeah, it, it's been a wild time flies, man. And um, been been a world of a journey um, working for Walmart and going into that that corporate setting. Uh, so it's, it's it's been good. I have been um, lived in a few different places, right? So started out living in Dallas. My first area um, responsibility was in Frisco, Texas, and then I lived in Frisco for a few years, and then I had the opportunity to move to the home office, and um, which was a, a great opportunity that I feel like a lot of people. Um, in my in my tenure doesn't really get to see at a, such a short at a short time. So I, I moved there and I lived in Bentonville, Arkansas, where the Walmart home office is. So I was there for about four years um, before I moved to Vegas with my now fiance, where he took a job out there. So that relocated us to the West Coast. Um, and so I know a lot of people probably thinking like, wow, she lives in Utah, like Utah. Why, when is there any black people living in Utah? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it wasn't by choice it's all about career right so I, as I mentioned I made a lot of moves with my career and so this has been my latest and greatest venture um living in Salt Lake City and 
to be honest, guys, it's really not that bad at all. I actually really love it here, and I hope I get to live here for another five years um, if, I, if I have the opportunity, if I make it through this next winter. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is coming. So right now I'm just enjoying the beautiful weather that we have. Um, and so if I make it through this winter, I, I really will make this my home for the next few years. Um, so um, a, a little bit about what I, what I do um, for work is that um, currently I, I am a, a people operations manager. And so basically what that is, is uh, market HR. Um, and they, they put a new title on it because they want us to really be, to really be focused on people. And so when, when you asked me to be on this podcast, um, I, I was really kind of excited because it kind of would give me an opportunity to kind of just, to kind of just showcase that light and just work on my, my people skills and my, uh, you know, my ability to have those conversations uh, with you. So um, I definitely appreciate you for that. But um, just going, going back though, I want to, I want to take the time back a little bit. So me growing up in Shepherd, right. Uh, small town I told you about, and it makes me think about our current climate that we're in, right. With all the civil unrest that we're, we're currently, um, incurring. And so when you're from a small town, um, you don't, I, I didn't get really exposed to a lot until later on in my life. And so I, I grew up in a place where I graduated in a class where there was only 10, um, 10 of us that were black. Right. So um right and it was only 10 of us that were black and then I, I can't like I probably say my, my younger sister's class when she graduated it was maybe like seven of them so um not a not a lot of diversity where I'm from um from from that aspect so that was one of my main reasons for choosing to go to Paul Quinn College and prior to Paul Quinn I had no idea what HBCU was or what Paul Quinn was I had some some major offers um from some really big schools um, out there that I, I was visiting and they really wanted me to come and, and play basketball for them. But Paul Quinn was my last visit um, as I was visiting all the campuses that I was thinking about going to. And it was just the moment from the moment I stepped foot on campus, like I felt like this is where I was supposed to be. Right. It was just like camaraderie. I seen so much beautiful melanin everywhere. They were having fun. They were enjoying it. And I had never seen anything like it growing up where I was from. So that 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 was my my decision heavily um, why I chose to go to Paul Quinn, and a lot of people was like, hey, well, what is Paul Quinn? Why why are you going there? Where is that? Why you got these big offers? You can go to Tennessee. You can you can go to Florida. Like why Paul Quinn? And so it was just it it was more it was a personal choice for me. And now where I see um, a lot of these um, athletes that have the opportunity to go to some of these big D1 schools, um, in our current climate, and they're, they're turning those offers down to go to HBCUs, and it, it makes me nothing, it makes me, um, proud to see that, and it makes me so happy, because before it was a thing, that, that was my thing, I did that, and it, it was, that, that's why it's so special to me, and so, um, me going to Paul Quinn, well, I, I definitely say was the, was a very pivotal moment in my life, um, considering how, the way I grew up, That's awesome. Yeah, for me, um, Paul Quinn, and, and by that time, Prez was there too, right? Yeah, Prez was definitely there. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a big reason why I went to Paul Quinn too, because my mother, she actually graduated from Paul Quinn. She actually uh, is, a, is a Delta as well. She was at Paul Quinn back in Waco. Nice. And so um, growing up in AME Church, like I always knew Paul Quinn was 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 in the background, but I never took it serious, seriously. Um because I just, you know, was like, it's just another school that I've always heard of, right? And obviously, you know, we all, I mean, most of the people I would imagine 
been able to to get different offers to go to different different schools. But it's one of Paul Quinn is one of those schools that it chooses you, right? Like mm-hmm. like you know when you know, and and I do not take for granted my experience of Paul Quinn. Like I would not be who I am um, if it wasn't for Paul Quinn College. And so, and I think really just the whole um, HBCU experience, like it's it's different. It's 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 nothing like it. And my 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 college journey was a little different. So, um, once I graduated from high school, I moved up to Waco. I went to a technical school, and then um, realized you know what freedom was. I grew up in a, in a more sheltered home. My mother's a pastor, and you know I I, I didn't see a lot of things. And so, um, once I got there, I really got got exposed to to life and freedom and, and fun and um, but I was still unsure of what I wanted to do in my life. And so, um, my mother, my grandmother passed away and I started to really find God. And at 19, I accepted a call to become a minister and moved back home and went to community college where in community college, um, I was able to, 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 to get exposed to a different side of me and a different side of how to connect with people. Uh, and how to really just be, um, I guess, me, for lack of better words. Um, and so, but the biggest thing that I found there was in most classes I was in, I was the only black person there too. And so uh, after two years of doing community college and my transition over to, to Paul Quinn, I mean, when I came in, we, we, it was so much diversity, not just within the melanin, but just within the perspectives and the backgrounds and the cities and the cultures of everything. Because I came in with a mix of students from Chicago, from New York, from Florida, from California, and everybody got their own swag. Everybody got their own story. But um, I think the thing that we all realized once we started to see the climate that we was currently in was that we are a group of underdogs looking to 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 take over the game, right? Mm-hmm. And so, for you. You know, it sounds like you had kind of that same type of type of grind, same type of grit, same type of thing. So what 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 made it all worth it for you? Like going to Paul Quinn and, and seeing and knowing what you know now. Um. So and, and just like you, I, I will say that I, I grew up sh- really sheltered. Right. So um, just being transparent, my grandmother and my grandfather and a host of aunties and uncles. Uh, I would say raised me and it's not to say that my my mom and dad weren't involved but they were involved in my life at a much later point so I call my mom and dad uh, Bonnie and Clyde so it's a joke between them because uh, when we were younger um, they they were you know they were in the streets they were doing some things they were some young parents right I have two other sisters and uh, my dad has some other kids and my side of that so um, I call them Bonnie and Clyde because they were doing some things in the streets where it, it led us to have to be raised by our grandparents and so with my grandparents um, raising us if you think about older people raising young kids right um and and they're they're only they're only doing you know doing it the way they were taught and the way they were taught before them and so we my grandma didn't allow us to spend a night in anybody's house she didn't allow anybody to come spend a night with us it wasn't no hang it wasn't no hanging out after school 
um, even as a young girl, right, it wasn't no, you're not sitting in no man's lap. I don't care if it's an uncle or, or whoever. It was just, you know, she just had that old school mentality that, that she was going to put this bubble like around us and to make us not get in any trouble or keep us out of harm's way. And I mean, she, she did a great job. Um, shout out to my grandmother. Uh, rest in peace to her. Um, but she, she did a really great job uh, of raising us. And um, my, my grandma was the centerpiece of our family. And I, I was really attached to her hip. Um, growing up and so I feel like a lot of things that my grandmother stood for she really instilled in me um, to just kind of be that centerpiece for my family and always continue to bring people together and I, I didn't realize how much a family could be divided until you're you're far away and you're off at college or you're off working doing these things and when you come back and you find out like man what, what is the family doing y'all live right next to each other or right around the block like why y'all not getting together like what's up y'all waiting for me to come home to get everybody together like this gotta stop we gotta do better um but the the point that what made it all worth it for me so when I was at Paul Quinn man I, I was at Paul Quinn at one of the roughest times I was there when um the school was going through the accreditation issues and then they were thinking about closing it down um and so I was home one summer and I got a call from um, President Sorrell and he was basically just like telling me like hey look you know, I, I know you have options. You don't you don't have to come back. But this is what we want to do for you if you do come back. Right. And so um, my biggest thing was I, I was ready to to be the person um, that everybody was looking to on my basketball team. So I wanted to come back and be in that light and be the team captain and, and be the leader for my squad. So um, I, I decided to come back and which that was the, the best decision that I, I, I could have ever made um, because I had the coach over at Jarvis College calling like, hey, I, I see what's going on with the school. If you want to come, I got a spot for you. I got a scholarship with your name on it. But I turned it down. I wanted to go back to Park Wayne because I felt like I had a purpose there. I felt like it was just something there. Um, that I needed to go back and I needed to finish and um, come to find out that there was not just one thing, there were several things that I needed to accomplish while I was there. I needed to be on a basketball team where we had only three girls left over and we win a game and it goes down in history that we win a, a college basketball game with only three girls. Um, wow. I, the last person to, to pledge a social club on the yard before we before it got banned. Um, so yes, I, I am a member of um, Omega Gems, and I'm the last one from the Zulu chapter um, on our yard. So uh, right after I cross, social clubs are banned, right? Um, and then, yes, my uh, another mission I had was, right, be the solo one to keep the chapter running, right? Everybody graduated um, as from the Deltas, and so it was either the grad chapter was going to take it over, or it was probably going to be a while before they could ever have a line again. So I was faced with the either you cross solo or they gonna be done. So I, I, I bit that bullet and I crossed solo so we can still continue to have a chapter right now. So not even knowing at that moment when I received that phone call that there were so many things that I had left to be done there and I, I didn't even know it. So, um, and then going back, right? Uh, having an opportunity to be amongst a group of friends to say, um, to meet someone. So uh, my, my homeboy, Danger, um, I, I, if I was to go back and say he's the one responsible for my career almost because he was sitting in an Applebee's where he met this uh, recruiter and this recruiter told him what she was doing. She said, hey, I'm here recruiting. Um, I want, I'm looking for college graduates to join our assistant manager program. Um, I'm intentionally uh, recruiting at HBCUs because I want to diversify our workforce um, in Walmart. And so he, they, she intentionally did that. And he wasn't graduating at the time, but he said, oh, I have a few friends that are graduating that, that haven't made decisions yet. And so if anything, I was probably supposed to be a school teacher. My degree is in education. 
But at that time, I just didn't feel like I was ready or I was mature enough to be a teacher. And so that's how I actually ventured into that, to the Walmart aspect of where, hey, all right, let's do it. And so, and like I said, I, I started working for Walmart. And then from there, I just hit the ground running. I've been with Walmart for eight years. Um, within those eight years, I've been promoted six times, right? And um, and I, I've changed jobs a lot. And people are like, hey, you you always changing jobs. But I said, but let, let's let's check my track record, though. When I changed those jobs, I changed those jobs because they were promotions. I wouldn't just move in and hopping around. It was somebody saw something in me or I felt like I wanted to continue and be in charge of my growth and development. So I put myself in a position to continue to get those promotions. And once I got into Walmart, um, you could you can understand that, you know, this is a, a conglomerate, right? Walmart is the number one retail company in the world. And we, we know who who runs the dollars, right? We, we know that there's a good old boy system. And so when I got in there, I didn't see a lot of people that look like me in management. So I wanted to create that, right? I wanted to be there and I wanted to be that one to say, hey, I'm in here. So when there's other people that want those management opportunities, they can see someone that looks like them. So I get to say that I'm an African-American female um, in a management and a higher management position in a corporate setting for the number one company in the world. And by me being there, it was it's not just about me, right? It's me putting myself in a position for other people to see what's possible. Um, and I, I didn't always have to take that burden on me to, to always be thinking about what the next person needs or wants or putting myself in that position. But it's just I just feel like it's just always been the way I was built um, for as a kid to now. And so it's just, you know, sometimes you, you always end up bite the bullet or you, you, you take it um, for for other people to pave their way so they can have a better life. And that's that's all. That's what the civil rights movement was about. And that's why we can be where we are right now, because somebody else bit the bullet. They took it and they put themselves in a situation where we didn't have to go through it. And even though we are kind of going through those same things, it's just in different ways, um, different ways of being enslaved. Um, but I, I think now that us as a generation, uh, as millennials, we are in a, a different mind state than where our, our grandparents were or our, uh, their parents and parents before them were. I think that where we are now, we kind of like as a millennial, we have that one foot in um, to the future and that one foot in the past where we know what it was like, what that world was like before um, the fast computers and cell phones and where, where kids were outside playing versus to being where we are now where everything is so digital. And so where I am right now, I feel like it's, it's a good place to talk about change and how we're going to make change and what, what we saw in the past and where we'll be in the future. And yes, I'm only 30 years old. It may not sound old to a lot of people, but at 30 years old and you being in the middle and seeing the way things were and seeing where we could go, um, it, it feels like you've seen a lot and done a lot. But um, in actuality, Mac, we just not getting started. That's, 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 that's so true. We are just not getting started. I, it's, 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 it's three things that stuck out to me. Um, but before I even got into those three things, I have to just say thank you. Because you, from from what you, what you just shared with me about your journey at Paul Quinn, all I, I mean to to sum it up, because I don't want to go into too much depth there. All I can say is thank you, because it would not Paul Quinn would not be what it is without you and your journey. And I know while you was telling me all the things that you was doing, I was just getting tired listening to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know I said that is not easy, and so. Uh, and, I, and one of the things that um, I know this is God, because it's 
there's so many places in your life and so many things I learned about you now that I can see the connection in why God sent you to me in this space at this time. It's crazy. My wife, she's also uh, an Omega gym as well. So we'll talk about that a little bit more offline. So. <laughs> Lord, anyway, um, but 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 to that point, you also talk about and you and you highlight often um, what makes you you, right? And so um, I want I, I want to know you you you've always accepted the call to be a leader and to be a trailblazer and to be willing to, to, to be almost that ambassador for, for the people that you represent to go, to go into places that they haven't been and to, and to be the person to, to, to build the bridge and to create opportunity. One of the, one of the books I, I, I'm, I'm currently still reading right now is called Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. And in the book, it's almost like the, um, Modern, how to how to how to win friends and and and, and uh, yeah, gain influence. I forgot. Uh, Dale Carnegie, yeah, I got the book over there. So I, I messed up the title, but it's how to win friends, right? And he talks about um, access. And I, and one of the things I want to talk was say before I I, I let you go is um, what access looks like for our generation, right? So imagine yourself standing uh, outside of a of of a, of a community, a gated community. And it has a security guard, and you're just standing there, just like you know, eating Pringles and just watching Ferraris, Range Rovers, um, you know, um, McLarens come into the gated community, and just waving at the security guard. And you look into this in, into the community, and you see like all of these different matches, right? And as you drive your car, whatever whatever it is you drive to 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 um to the gate, you realize that there's someone blocking you. Uh, but not only is there someone blocking, but there's a gate there that's blocking your access into the the community, right? Um, and the security guard comes out and he says, "Hey, are you here to see someone? Um, do you currently are you lost? Like, how can I help you?" And you just say, "No, I just pulled up just because I saw all these other people come, and I was just trying to see what it looks like, right?" And because you don't have the right credentials, he turns you away. Now, if you happen to find yourself in the car, not necessarily even driving the, the, the McLaren or driving the Range Rover or what have you, but you're the, on the passenger side. You don't have to show any type of credentials, any type of any type of um, license or, 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 or anything like that to prove that you deserve and that you're uh, able to drive into that into that community, right? And the good thing is, is that now that you do have access, you can you you're able to see what it's like on the other side. You're able to see what it's like to live in a mansion and to see what it's like and be exposed to to this lifestyle. That when you leave and go back home to your house, your mindset never is never the same, right? And to your point about where we currently are within within our generation uh, of being a foot in the past and a few in the future, I think the biggest thing that we have is the key to access. The key to that information, the key to, to leverage those opportunities, the key to to, to, to to share those opportunities and perspectives with other people about things that our grandparents and the grand, our, our forefathers never had opportunity to partake in, right? And so I think that you're a, a very great manifestation of, of, of what you just highlighted, of being a, a, a trailblazer and a, a, almost an Olympian 
for the for the for the past and also you know being able to keep the torch alive for the next generation and so um to that point i know i, I said a lot there but <laughs> <laughs> um i want i want to know um what makes you and when did you know that you were a leader man i i probably knew i was a leader from when i was in my on my little league basketball team or when I was in my little league softball team, <laughs> or I, I, I just, you know, from then and then, and, and the thing about it is people always talk about, oh, you know, being a leader, being a leader, but what, what really goes into being a leader, right? Um, and I, I was thinking today about um, when I was having a, a conversation with, with some, um, some of my associates and um, they wanted to talk about where they were going next in their, their career movements, because uh, right now we're going through a, a big restructure in, in the company. And so my biggest thing was this. I told them, I said, there's a difference between your performance and the potential. I said, your performance is where you currently are in your business and in your life, how well you're doing in this current aspect. But your potential is what you can do for the future of the company, what you can do for the future and the development of yourself. Um, and so we always, we always talk about um, being a leader but right, but what what really goes into being a leader? What what are what are the true credentials of being a leader? Right, no no one really knows, and they always talk about well, leader are leaders born or are leaders chosen? Um, I honestly feel like they could be a little bit of both, right? Because some people they could be a leader and they not know, right? So um, I, I'll use the example. So when I was in junior high, um, I was playing basketball, right, and I had a, I had a coach, and she was so tough on me. And I couldn't understand for the life of me why she was tough on me. All I wanted to do was have fun with my friends and play basketball in middle school. Why I, I couldn't understand why she was so serious about it, right? And I was good. I'm, I'm not, not even being cocky. I, I was really good, especially for a middle school. I was already practicing with high school girls um, in middle school. So for the life of me, I couldn't understand why it was that she was trying to make me be something that I did not want to be. Um, but it was it all went back to the way people respond to you, right? People was responding to me. They listened when I spoke. They they did things. If I did something bad, they followed me. If I did something good, they followed me, right? So it was her that really kind of instilled in me to, they kept pushing me and molding me to be the future leader leader I am. And um, shout out to Coach Whitaker. Um, I don't know if she'll ever hear this, but um, me and her daughter happened to be uh, still really good friends, which was my very first best friend in life. Um, and so I'm going to make sure that she hears this podcast that I gave her a shout out, but it was her, it was, I, I, I would definitely say that was definitely the turning moment for me when I had to realize that I'm not like everybody else. Um, I have a skill set that I have to use and that that skill set is what's going to get me to the next level. This, that skill set is what's going to get me out of this small country town. And so, um, she pushed me. She put me in, she made me um, be in uncomfortable situations. And I, I'm a big fan of being uncomfortable because I feel like um, the more uncomfortable I am, the better I am. Because um, when I get comfortable, I get complacent, I get bored, and I don't give my all. So I, I tend to stay uncomfortable. And that's what she did for me. She She's probably the first person that really put me in a real uncomfortable leadership position um, at such a young age. And I, I had no idea why, but um, it, it, it was definitely that in, in seventh grade 
um, as, as the, the captain of my basketball team when I, when I really found out what it means to be a leader um, and what it meant to really stick up for somebody that you see that's less fortunate than you that may be getting bullied or may not have the things that you have. And so it was just, it was just, a, it was just a switch that flipped on. Like, I felt like I had it in me all this time um, when it goes back to that um, people saying, well, leaders are born or true leaders are born or, or leaders are chosen. Um, I feel like I was born a leader, but I hadn't tapped into my true potential of being a leader yet, right? I was just performing at that time. But um, as I continued to grow and by the time I got to seventh grade and moving on in the eighth grade, getting ready to go to high school, um, she she was already building me up for, for when I got to be a freshman playing on varsity and what that was going to look like and how I had to really step up and be be a leader. Because by the time I was in ninth grade and I was on varsity and then when when all those 12th graders graduated, um, I was a, I was a sophomore and I was already leading that team for the next three years. That was my team. And so I couldn't I knew I couldn't get somewhere doing the same old things, being a goof, being a child, but also knowing that I still need to be in touch with those childish things. But at the same time, there's other people looking at me because there's not everybody that was around me that had that same support system or somebody that was going to push them out of their comfort zone to be where they needed to be like I had. So, again, I took it upon myself to be that person for the, all the other girls that was around me that was on my team. And that was from a basketball team, that was on a volleyball team, that was on a track team, and that was on a softball team. I took that ownership, I owned it, and um, I, I, I continued to, to own that throughout the rest of my high school career. As, and when I moved on into college, as you can tell, um, after my same scenario, after my freshman year, um, as a sophomore coming in, I, I was the leader on that team. So it's just that, you know, sometimes we want to run or shy away from being um, in that spotlight um, in which we try to do so many times. But if, if, if that's what God wants for you, that's what God is going to make sure happens. No matter how many times you run away from it, you hide from it, you try to turn your back and go the other way. If that's what God wants, he's going to make it happen. And when you started out, you, you had a quote about having a human experience. I feel the same thing. I feel the same way, but just uh, in a different, um, a, a different quote is that I say that we're all God's having a human experience because we're all divine at the end of the day there's some divinity in every single one of us and we're all having a human experience in this temporary place that we call home yeah absolutely absolutely i agree when i not it was crazy i was i was i was driving home today from work and i was listening to uh to this to the another podcast and the scripture came up and it says that greater is he that's in you and he that's in the world Right. And that's a lot of it's, it's, it's a lot of weight in a lot of ways that you can kind of break that down. And one of the things that, that was speaking to my heart when I heard that was like, you know, there's there's a, a current um, presentation that I present within myself that either either I like or I don't like. Right. Either I'm confident in this area or I'm not that confident or I have insecurities in this area. And it's in those places of insecurities that I have to remind myself, like, no, like, there's something that's still on the inside of me that's so much greater that is that I'm becoming, right? And greater is 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 a thing that I'm giving birth to. Greater is a thing and a man that I am becoming daily. Um, that is greater than where I am in the world, um, where I am in, in in every other space, and even the the adversaries and the things that I face um, every single day 
is I'm greater than that, right? And so, um, so that's dope. And so, I, one of the things I want to know is, um, what does it mean to be to be you, right? Like, what does it mean, and, and what is the thing that most people usually misunderstand or mistake about about you? Hmm. Okay. So I'm 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 gonna say the so to to be me, right? I I think that if I had to use one word to really to call out how I would sum up me and, and how I approach everything, I would definitely use the word authenticity, um, because I I take pride in in being who I am. Um, I take pride in where I'm from. Um, like I said, I could I could easily tell everybody I'm from Houston, Texas, or somewhere you know this big city, right? But um, I don't. I, I take pride in letting them, letting people know I'm from Shepherd, Texas. I'm from this small town, and because I, I I want people to see that and say, hey, she can make it out. I can make it out too, right? Um, but the the biggest thing, what I would say that people probably have a big misconception misconception about me is um, they probably think I'm mean, um, but I'm not. It's just that you know how as as black women we got the the real I call it the real the rest in B face. <laughs> Yeah. The rest in B face. Uh, so um, no, I, and I, I'm not mean. And it, it's funny because if if a person truly knows me, right, um, they they will be like, man, she the coolest person ever. Like you must not know her. You talking about the same person? Cause she not like she real chill. She cool. Like, um, but if something if someone doesn't know me, like that's always their first impression of me is that I look mean or I'm not approachable or something like that. I, and and I and you know what? For years. Um, after having that feedback, I always was like, you know, well, what I always try to say, well, what can I do to make myself not look so mean or not look so approachable? But at the end of the day, I, I kept coming to the fact that it's not me. It's not because I, I'm not I'm not I'm not who y'all say I am. So I'm over here trying to make adjustments to something that is not me. So why are you why are you really stressing out on what it is that other people are saying about you? Is that I mean, I understand feedback and I'm all about constructive feedback, but I was trying to make adjustments to something that I really that I really wasn't. Um, and so I, I would definitely say um, don't like the old saying goes, don't ever, ever judge a book by its cover. Right. Um, we need to continue to use our voices and get to know people and network. Um, that's that's one of the biggest things that I feel like that we need to do more as um, young millennials. And it's, it's network. Get to know your neighbor. Get to know the person next to you, the person right across from you that you never know because you, you never know what experiences they have that or, or that they can bring to the conversation or, you know, just learning something new about a person or just having a small interaction and how much that can change um, their day or their outlook or their perspective on what it is. So, um, but back to what, what makes me me is, is authenticity. Um, and, and when I, when I die and when I'm gone from this, from this earthly place, um, I don't want to die a copy. I want to die an original. And that's, that's my, that's, that's been my, my main thing. So, and anybody that knows me from 10 years, 10 years ago to now, um, and if they was to see me, they would, I would hope that they would say, you haven't changed, but you've grown. I don't want to, I don't want to ever encounter somebody that I met in my past. And they'd be like, man, you change, you different. Well, like as Jay-Z says, I didn't do all this to say the same, but at the, but the, at the same time, I don't want somebody to look at me and say, I've changed and I'm different. I want them to say that you've grown, you look mature, you look healthy, you look good. You look like you've been drinking your water, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I never, I, I never wanted to be, uh, 
you different or you change or you think you better than anybody because of this, this, and that, or the other. It's it's never that way. I, I'm really the most the most humble person. And um and it's all about your surroundings too, right? Who do you surround yourself with? Right. I have some really amazing friends, um, childhood friends. I have some really amazing college friends, and I have some really amazing friends that I met um in my corporate network, right? And so it's just that I have so I have diversified myself in a way that I feel like I can adapt in so many different surroundings. Um, but I still I still find myself being um going back to being that little that little shy. Um, little shy tomboy girl that you know that just was kind of like real kind of chill and deserved so I, I have I have those moments where I kind of go back to being that little shy girl but at the same time um, I, I'm, I'm an adult I've grown into a full-grown woman and I know I know what setting I'm in and I know how to adapt to those settings so um, again my answer to that question is authenticity always bringing my whole self to whatever setting um, or, or engagement or whatever, whatever I'm in, you always going to get me, the whole me. I'm never going to water that down for anybody, whether it be a corporate setting. Um, and, and it's different, right? You know, it's like we, un- we understand that we can be authentic and bring our true selves, but always still have that respect for the individual in whatever those settings are. Um, so, yeah, authenticity. That's, that's my number one key. Always stand true to self. Always stand true to my, my beginnings. Um, where I come from, and I always stand humble. That's real. I know authenticity is something right now is 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 much 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 needed. And I've I've had several conversations with friends in the past. It's just like you know, good people are hard to find, and when you find good people, hang on to them because <laughs> life is a roller coaster, man. Like, and you really know. And and you probably can attest to this. When it's time to move, you find out who your real friends are. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. And that's that's why one of my, my my one of my favorite um quotes is when we communicate from a place of truth, that's when we can truly unlock our future. We have to be open, we have to be honest, and we have to be truthful about what it is that we want and what our expectations are um from anyone, from a from a job, from a partner. From anything, you always have to uh, communicate from a place of truth because if you don't, you won't get fake results. You you communicate fake, you you won't get fake results. Communicate truth, you get true results. That's so real. That's so real. Oh, you got. I feel like you got to say that again. <laughs> when we communicate from a place of truth, that's when we can unlock our future. That's it. That's the quote. That's it. It says a lot and a little. It says a lot and a little. We have to communicate truthfully, um, and that's why I say that you know we, it it comes from any side, right? If you if you want it from a partner, you can't. And and we we talked about you know uh, our relationships, right? And you just recently got married. Um, I'm recently engaged, and that's one um, of of the biggest things that. Um, me and my partner um, always talk about and, and my, my partner he's so like he's he's taught me and grown me so much um, in this right and I, I can't even say like you, you hear you hear a lot of me um, talking this way and about what I've done in my life but I, I really do need to take a moment to really um, highlight him and thank him for what he's done in my life so 
uh when he when he came in man I was I was a little wild I was reckless with my money I was doing all kind of things I was just having fun enjoying um enjoying life and I thought that you know when we started dating I was just gonna it was just gonna be a thing and we was gonna be done and I was gonna be able to play games and do whatever I wanted to do right but it wasn't that way like he came in and held me accountable from day one like he he knew what he wanted he knew what he wanted out of the relationship, and he held me accountable for every move that I was making. Um, one thing that I could probably call out mostly that he has helped me with so much is my finances. So he's a he's an accounting guy, right? He he's a numbers guy, and so he came into my life and changed my my aspect on on um, wealth, financial well being. Um, he 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 put me in a space where we could have those com- those real conversations about where are your finances currently and oh this is wrong you need to stop doing this this is messed up girl what are you doing you make too much money to be doing this and that or the other you need to be doing this and that and that and it was like an instant like man like I, I wasn't I wasn't ready to receive that but I needed it because I was in a position where um, I was making good money but I wasn't managing it the, the way I needed to and so him coming into my life changed that. And um, him coming into my life also made me understand what it was, what it meant to be held accountable and um, not not play victim to situations that I possibly would have had have done in, in past relationships. So um, he just really came into my life and, and um, pushed me to be better than I, but than I was. And he, he told me this, that um, he's like, I want to see you in the best light of where everybody else sees you in. And then sometimes you don't always give your credit, give yourself credit for being in this light, but I see it and I want you to see yourself in this light. And now that where I am right now and um, on our journey, um, our past five year journey, I see myself in that light and I see what my potential can be and I, I know what I need to do. And, and I would have never really saw that um, without him coming in and just changing my perception and holding me accountable to the things that I need. And so that's where we talked about, you know, um, black love being being monumental right now, um, especially with even with all the civil unrest is going right. Black men need to know that us black women, that we love y'all and, and black men, y'all need to, to let black women know that y'all love us. And it needs to be um, not 50 50. It needs to be 100 100. I don't want to be 50-50 in a relationship. That means I'm bringing half of me and you bring half of me and we're trying to make this whole thing. Nah, I need to bring 100 of me. You need to bring 100 of you. And then we're going to see, we're going to meet in the middle on what it is. And by you being in, in, a, in a new marriage, um, I can only I can only imagine um, on the conversations that you and your wife has had on um, bringing your full authentic self to the relationship and um, understanding where you're, where, you know, where your flaws are and where her flaws are and how we can continue to to nurture and cultivate each other's flaws so we can have um, a, a long, fruitful marriage. It's very true. Her and I communicate often, very, very often. We talk often talk about our expectations for one another. And the biggest thing that I've learned now that uh, we've crossed over and, and, and been married now for a little over six months is um, – you know, making sure that we that we show each other how important it is for us to spend time together, right? And for us to 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 to, to bring and continue to bring value to the table, right? And so, uh, my life, I would not be who I am today if I had not met my met my wife either. Either um, when we met, it was it was similar. It was from day one. It was just 
real. Like, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Like, it is what it is, you know. But because we were friends first, that really set the tone. And, and we, we was able to communicate and have similar background uh, on on what we wanted, what we valued, what was in, uh, important to us moving forward in the future. And now we're in a space where, you know, I'm transitioning from, from, from husband to preparing to be a father, right? Which a lot of what drives me within Inspire Kingdom, what drives me to connect to other people is, and, and, and even put this conversation almost in a, in a time capsule in a sense is knowing that my future kids are going to tap into this and, and learn from your story, learn from, learn from your legacy and, and, and to see the contrast from this moment to where you'll be 10 years, 20 years down the road and, and you continue to, to grow in life as well. And that's the most important thing that's, that's important to me. And um, because <clears throat> this year, you know, we, a lot this world and, 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 and people overall have, have lost so much, whether it's been a loved one, whether it's been uh, foreloaded due to a job and trying to pivot and make adjustments, um, uh, and whether it's been just, you know, people that we admire from, from afar and celebrities, you know, um, like Kobe, like Chadwick Boseman and, and other people. Um, and even um, just within our community as black people, right? Like we've been fighting this, this war for a long time, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, my, my, my wife's uncle recently um, transitioned um, and passed away. And I didn't know, I, I met him a few times, but I knew that he was a really, really good person. And the way that he passed, no one should, no one, no one, no one, no one should, should go out that way. And um, God rest his soul, he, he, he passed away. He was only 42 years old. Um, recently, um, recently he was he was divorced. Uh, had a three-year-old son that survived him, and he he passed away alone in in a beautiful home um, with blood coming down his, down his mouth and blood coming out his eye. And it was due to uh, a blood transfusion that went wrong. Right, and. Uh, even though I didn't know him, I'm still I still get kind of emotion, emotional just thinking about it. Like, you know, I'll be turning thirty this year, and um, to think if God called me home twelve years from now, you know, what outside of the house, outside of the, the, the laptop, the car, the TV that I have, what am I really going to pass on to my children? Right, obviously, in the wealth and everything else, that's 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 great. That's about that provides that stability and everything else. But like, what is it that my child can build and take and use to make their life better, and then their their child's life child's life better too? Because um, I I constantly in the, in the quote that I, I I talked to you but at the beginning offline was from Marcus Garvey. Um, it says a people without the knowledge of their past history, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. And I wouldn't be who I am today, but if, if I didn't know the stories of my of my of my grandfather, of how you raise, you know, ten kids, um, provide land for them to 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 to, to give to their to their kids' kids, um, 
you know, and, and, and be an entrepreneur, be 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 a, a a man who understands real estate, a man who understands wealth, and you have a third grade education and you was able to navigate, you know, the climate of of America at that time to still be a man and married to the same woman and have ten kids by the same woman and never made any excuses but, you know, just enjoyed life to the fullest, right? Like that me is just that responsibility that I have to know that I'm not gonna have ten kids, but you know, if God says the same <laughs> you know, if God says the same, whatever whatever he provides me with that I, that's 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 the calling that I need to answer to to carry on that last my last name. You're right, uh, and that, that's that's monumental, and, that, and that's pivotal. And I'm I'm glad that you you actually touched on that point about um, generational uh, wealth and, and what it what's your legacy and what are you gonna leave your kids? Right? Are you, are you gonna leave your kids um, a bunch of video games and tennis shoes and that or the other? And and, and I say that right, Every, and everybody knows me. They know they know how how I love my shoes and I love um, to keep a fresh pair of kicks, and and I, I still do that to this day. Right? I'm still gonna keep a fair pair of fresh kicks but um when we talk about leaving kids leaving with your kids uh leave what are you going to leave your kids right um when I talk about that it comes into play well guess what I'm currently developing a property in my hometown where I'm going to put um two homes on it where I'm going to rent those out to two families um in my area which those are going to be mine and that's on my property that I own that was passed down to me from my grandparents as well as um the properties that my uh, my other set of grandparents on my dad's side of the family that owns where they own the farm um back in my hometown where um you know they they currently live on that farm but when it, when when they're gone right they they leave it to us uh, and and it's it's going to be in our name and um, as the grandkids, and one thing that my grandfather always said, it was like, you, you don't you ever sell this land. Um, I fought hard for this man from the white man, so don't ever, don't you ever sell it. And I had to get um, a stern conversation, sat down, as in where, where my family, they see you and they start to look at, all right, well, where where is the next generation and who has their head on straight? So who, we gonna, who name we going to put this on, right? And so um, my name always comes up in the conversation because they feel like I'm one of the more responsible ones right now. So. Um, and I, I'm excited, right? I'm 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 super excited. I'm stoked to be able to to be the one um, to to cultivate and carry that on. Like I I want to cultivate that land. I want to make sure that land stays in the family. But I also want to do something, um, not for it to just sit there. I want to put something on it that's going to continue to generate revenue for my family, my current family, and my future family, and their families after that. Um, so generational wealth is important. So when we start to think about what's our legacy and what are we going to leave our kids and what are we going to be remembered for. Um, we got to start thinking about that now. We 30 years old. Well, I'm 30. You're about to be 30. Um, and we don't we don't have much time to continue to say we we figuring it out. Um, we we can. We can continue to figure it out, but we don't have much time to keep getting it right, you know. And so it, it's big. It's major. And we're we're faced with some really big decisions right now um, in, in our, our 30s going over into, you know, our 40s and 50s as we continue to bring families in um, of our own. And so we have to make sure that we're setting them up for success because it's not about right now. It's about the future. It's about what 
what's going to be happening when I'm gone and how how is my family going to be set up? I don't I don't want them to struggle because I see it way too much. Right. Nepotism is a thing. I see it from in white communities. I see them setting their kids up, having these trust funds, trust funds, and they're, they're able to just blow it or or go to these nice schools and do this and do that and be able to just be set up to own companies whenever they're you 17 years old and then you all of a sudden inheriting your grandfather's company. Right. Well, why can't we be doing that in the black community? We can. We just got to change the perception. We got to change what, what it is that's been taught. We got to change our when we talked about access, right? What accesses do we currently have right now um, to set us up for the future? And we have more access now than we have ever had. And that yep. access lies within knowledge. People think it's not a key. It's not a book. It's not any of that, right? We can get information from a book. We can read. We can study. We can do all that. But our access is the knowledge that we get, right? Because that could be, that's, that's something that nobody can ever take away from you is your knowledge. And if you know what's going on, then you can make, you can position yourself to make moves to be set up for the future. And, and we was talking about Paul Quinn College. I always say Paul Quinn College was a struggle of a college, but whatever you call it, that's my college. And that's where I got, that's where I got my knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. That's just, man, that's just tripping me up. Um, I, I heard that that quote for the first time from, from Dex, right? And um, Dex has been a, a major influence in my life. And just really, like, y'all playing, for lack of better words, man, it's just, y'all just, all, all, all you guys are trailblazers, man, like, Oh, man, yes, I have two. Of, I have two of the most monumental friends um, out of Paul Quinn College, and they go by the names of Dexter Evans and Presidential Patrick <laughs> Patrick yeah. Hillard, who is my Valley Victorian, um, right there. Um, and of course, which you are you already know, um, Dex is married to my um, lovely sorority sister Alex, and um, Patrick is going to be getting married to his um, lovely fiance soon. And then, of course, me and I'm engaged. So, and when I talked about you know your circle of friends and who you circle yourself around, right, right, like I may not speak to them every day, but when we do link up, it's like we never miss the beat, right? And yeah. those those are part those two are a part of a part of my core friendships. And there there's others that I can name. Um, out there, Marquita, Achu, Danger, um, Jad, like all the, I, I can name my, my core people that, that we all just kind of leaned on each other um, to make it through our days uh, at the Quinn, but um, that that saying right there, Paul Quinn College was a struggle of a college, but whatever you call it, that's my college, like that came through one of the most tumultuous times of Paul Quinn history that I could say, and it was a struggle, and, and every word of that resonates, because I remember I remember Dex knocking on my door like five, six in the morning, like boom, boom, boom. Like you coming to the rally, you coming to the We Are Not Trash March. And I'm just like, yo, it's five o'clock in the morning. I'm sleeping. <laughs> they all know me. Like I was serious about my sleep. I was tired, but you're my friend. I support you and I support what you're doing. So let's go. Let's do it. Right. And so those are the type of those are the type of friends you need. Like uh, that, that, that whole saying, we ride on fools. They meant that. They meant that, and look, and riding on fools is, is has got Paul Quinn to where it is today. Uh, so if 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 Dex Dex is in your corner, Patrick is in your corner. You have two two guys that are in your corner that um that 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 are, are just uh phenomenal. Like I can't, I don't even I they don't I don't even have words to describe how great they are. Like um yeah, them 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 my homies. We go way back to the struggle. We go after the struggle, and I'm just so proud. 
to be able to look to see where I am and to see where my friends are and where we are. And it's just it's just so genuine. It's just nothing but love, man. It's just nothing but love. Yeah, I have them on. I know Dex is coming on later on this this month. And uh, Pat, we, I know he's, he's in the same boat that you are, still kind of navigating, trying to plan that wedding. So. Yeah, plan that wedding. <laughs> wedding, wedding, wedding. Yeah, we, we 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 set our date. We picked our venue. So now I think the hard part is done. Now we the rest the rest is on us. The rest is on us. Is there anything you're looking forward to? Um, from I so so is it? Well, I, I guess I'll ask this question first. What have you learned about yourself, or, or even your relationship from from girlfriend to fiance? Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the kingdom. It's your boy, J. Mack. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know you've seen the title of this uh, episode, and it says, Alert, Melanin Drip. Um, and some of you may see it and, and be like, man, you spelled alert wrong. No, actually, I didn't. Um, I want to give give uh, Maya an opportunity to kind of highlight her brand, her her husband's brand, and share you guys share with you guys a little bit more about uh, what the brand means, how you guys can, can uh, get in touch with them, and how you guys can represent. Remember, alert, Melinda Drew. Peace. Um. So, um, I would definitely say that I am, um, mu- I'm much more responsible um, than I was, which I talk, and not even just um, the financial piece of it, like just learning your your partner's love languages and being able to to stroke those love languages and figure out what it is that you know they enjoy or they like because um for for me um being being a woman right we always we always expecting like the man to like cater uh cater to us and do all these things and and my, my fiance he he's good there like he he just basically lay, lays the world in my feet and he makes sure that whatever i need i have it whatever i do um, I'm doing the best at it. Um, but what I, what I've learned most is patience. I've learned how to be kind and more softer because I was a little rough around the edges, right? Uh, I, I can say that I'm a little rough around the edges, little country girl, you know. Uh, so I, I would definitely say being softer as a, as as a woman and not just being so like, man, you just. What does oh, soft look, look like? Because I mean, because that can, that's a lot of different ways you can interpret interpret soft. Um, if I, if I had to say, I would say softer looks and more of just being, um, talk, talking things through and not just dis- dismissing it like really quickly or just saying, hey, man, you a man, man up, be tough. Like, don't, you know, just being not so just like gun ho on just it is what it is, like talking through it. Um, really just understanding, um, listening with an intent to understand and not just the intent to speak. Um, being more, um, uh, I would say being softer too is also embracing more of your feminine energy and just um, putting that fem- feminine energy back out um, to him, reciprocating that and just showing him that, hey, I don't have to be so tough all the time. I got a man in the house with me, so I don't need to be tough. So playing like I don't I don't I don't want to I'm trying to choose my words carefully because I don't want to say playing a role because I'm still I'm still a feminist I'm still 2020 I'm still all about women women's right we don't have to be stuck in the kitchen all day like I work a real job I you know roles have been reversed roles change men men do the same things that women do in the house they cook they clean they do dishes all that so 
but I, I guess when I say softer, it's just being more um, catering more to to his emotional needs. Where um, where before, you know, we always just expected men to display this tough exterior role. Um, but and I, I think that even though that's what always the, the expectation was when it comes to men, that they have to be tough. I think that um, as women by their sides, we need to show them that they can be vulnerable, that they can be open, they can be soft. You can cry. You can talk about your issues um, with me. And so um, I think that's where me coming in and being more soft for, for him is that um, because we have two different sides. And if, if you're into astrology and you understand what the mo- the traits of a Scorpio is and the traits of a Cancer is. So I'm a Scorpio. So and obviously I, I consider myself <laughs> I consider my, my myself if I had to I would be more of an alpha female um, I would say um, being a Scorpio but um, him being a, a Cancer you know Cancer's always being a little sensitive and a little touchy and I always feeling like man quit, quit being so sensitive you know this and this but it's not about um, and me just realizing and learning to be more softer it's not always to be about me telling him to man up and be sensitive because what do I know about being a man? I don't, I don't know what it's like to be a man. I don't know what it is that, you know, you guys feel or go through and what y'all have to suppress um, and what um, black society has told you to, to suppress all of this time. And so just me learning how to be softer and tell him that, okay, it's okay. We could talk about it. If you want to cry, you can cry. Go ahead. Like do that. Um, let, let, let's talk through it. Like what, what do you need? What, what can I do to help you feel, um, more open in this conversation. So just allowing him to be more vulnerable um, in, in our space of comfort uh, rather than just being so tough all the time. So that's what I get out of being, um, especially after, after being an alpha female. But um, I've also learned that being that, right, there, there were times where I realized that I'm not as tough as I think and I, I, I needed him to help console me or be there um and, and just kind of like you know talk me through my situations and what it is and allowing me to cry and you know when you kind of are grow up being an alpha female and trying to hide your emotions or not show people that you're okay um I hate that the black community has had this stigma for so long um, on black men and black women that we always have to present this facade of being okay when it's not okay so I'm here to tell you that if you are not okay it is okay to not be okay but it's not okay to be in a in a space where you're not trying to heal or do better or see for yourself because that's again where we we, we come into this space of playing victim and we want to always not not hold ourselves accountable and always push this stuff on somebody else where it's always somebody else's fault and you're not taking ownership for what it is that you need to do to put yourself in a better space so um yes it's not it's, it's okay to not be okay but it's not okay to sit there and sulk in that space and not put yourself try to try to make someone else um, responsible for your happiness or your well-being. Because if that is the case, you will never ever be happy. You will never be well because um, there's no one else responsible for your happiness and your well-being but you. Someone they can help you, they can coach you through it, they can be by your side. But you ultimately have to make the decision to be better, to want better, to do better. Um, and and I, I that just goes back to the the, the conversation of um, black people being um, in in a space for so long where they didn't feel like they uh, were supposed to go see a therapist or or be comfortable and be open about talking about their issues. So I really love that um, we are in a space right now where everybody is starting to be more open to therapy and be more open to. Um, um, open up and about their problems and talking to their friends when they're not, when they're not feeling uh, like themselves. 
um, where I have a best friend where she um, she's always been known for being funny and being the life of the party and just always being happy and making sure um, being responsible for other people's happiness. But um, when she went through her when she went through her time and her period where, you know, she wasn't the life of the party or she wasn't happy and she wasn't making everybody else laugh, who was going to be there for her to make her feel um, OK or help lift up her spirits? Right. And so we always look at those type of people. And when we when we see them not being their true selves that we think they are. Right. We just kind of, oh, we may write it off or whatnot. But it's it's not. We shouldn't write it off. Like check on your friends. See if they're OK. Like know their behavior. They're a true friend. You know their behaviors. You know their patterns. And you know how to be able to have that conversation with them and say, hey, friend, I'm just checking on you today. I, I noticed that you was just kind of off to yourself a little bit. Is everything OK? You know? And it's okay to be in that space where we're checking on our friends to make sure that they okay. It is okay. Find good people you hang on to. Um, yeah, I think I, I had a conversation on one of the other podcasts about knowing your circle and, and knowing um, and, and just being able to be vulnerable with the people around you because, I mean, you really never know what other people are going through. And a lot of people, you know, are kind of private about their issues and private about the things that, they, that they're struggling with. But, you know, be that friend to constantly check on, on the people that you care about because you don't want to pop up and then one day you just realize, like, you, you see something else, you get a text and you don't want that weight on your on, on your heart about man. I could have done more. I could have talked to this person more. I could have did X, Y, and Z. Because I've seen it, and it's not a place you want to be. For sure, it's not. It's really not. I, I've been on. I've been on the butt end of that joke before, where you you take it for granted. You take that time for granted, or not speaking to people, or you know, uh, when somebody say you talked to so and so in a long time. Well, nah, I haven't talked to him, but I seen him on social media, so they good. No, that don't mean they're good because it's social media, right? People, what people put on social media is what they want you to see. So if they want you to feel like that they're doing good and they're okay, they can put that out there, but they may not really be feeling that way. And I, I know somebody, and it hits too close to home when I say I know somebody, when they say, hey, you talked to this person. No, I haven't talked to them, but they were, I seen them on social media, so they're good, but the whole time they weren't good and they took their life. And that really aided me for a long time. And I never wanted, I never used that statement ever again. Somebody asked me about a person that they know I used to be cool, I was cool with or still cool with. And I and they tell me about that. And I, I haven't talked to him a long time, but I see him. Like, it takes two seconds to hit somebody in a DM or something like, hey, what's good? You good? Shoot me a number. I want to chop up with you or something. It, it, it really takes two seconds to really, if it's intentional. So, um, Mac, I, I would definitely say, we have to be intentional about anything that we want um, from a person or whatever we want to be done. We have to be intentional about it because if we're not, right, and we just let it go by or fall by the wayside or we just, like, oh, continue to put it off, you never know when that's the last time you was going to have a conversation with that person or you're going to get on Facebook and see such and such is gone, um, they committed suicide or whatever the case may be, Um that's just, it's not a good feeling. It's just not a good taste. And and I use that example because I, I've been there. I, I use those exact words. No, nah, I haven't talked to this person, but I've seen them on Facebook, so they're good. But they really wasn't. They really wasn't. Uh, 
And this is this has been um, a very great day. And I, I while you was talking, I, I had a couple couple times where I was just thinking to myself, how how in the world can she say she nerved? She 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 <laughs> you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like, yeah, so she's like, what? Like you, one of the things that I, I appreciate that you did, and this, and this almost, <clears throat> and this feels very natural, and I think the authenticity of who you are is it, it shows. And just listening to you speak, I feel like I know you so much better now, and I feel like I've known you the whole time. I've known your name, I've known about you, and uh, it's you, you're just so relatable. Right. And so I can see why you've been able to, to be and where guys position you to be uh, as a place um, of, of, of being a fiance, being a trailblazer in the, in the career fair, being a leader um, and, 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 and just being you, being an original. So I, I, I just want to first and foremost say thank you for shining your light with us, with me specifically. Uh, on this podcast and for your time. I really appreciate it. And because <clears throat> I know one of your big passions is, is sports, specifically basketball, I can't get off the, the, the podcast without <laughs> asking you <laughs> about, about, about basketball. So uh, I guess I'll start here because I don't want to take too much of your time, but I just want to start here. Tell me about what you think about the current NBA. What do I feel about the current NBA? Mm-hmm. Um, so the bubble, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they say you're talking outside the bubble and you can't even get in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but the bubble, right? It's it's a different atmosphere. It's brought a different element um to the game that I love. Um, and and when I when it's basketball season, man, I'm I'm locked in. Like as in, like I'm talking about, I'm talking about every day. I'm watching the game. I just get the urge to just go out and hoop. But I'm just so old. But I still I still get people buckets from time to time though. Um, my fiance, uh, we know we play ball all the time, and so he knows I still got it. I had to prove it to him too many times. Oh but, man. Um, <laughs> and so and, and he's and he's okay he's he's gonna when this comes out he's gonna listen to it and he's gonna be he's gonna be okay with it because he knows um he he, <laughs> he understands that I, I i'm not i just didn't talk about it right he didn't he didn't know me in college he didn't get to see my basketball games or nothing like that so he you hear me talk about it all the time and, and so i really had to just go out there and show him one day but um so what i what i think about the current <laughs> the current element of basketball is i feel like um, the the bubble brought that new element, and I, I it, it what it brought for me was that, um, when you came into the bubble, I feel like there's no distractions, and and when you're a basketball player and you're a real player, right? We we know we have fans, and sometimes the fans get us going in momentum. But um, I think the bubble was a true testament. It was really locked in. Who's really the who's really ready to ball out, and who just gonna get it done, um, with or without the fans? Like, you can have fans. That's just a plus to it, but. Um, the, the biggest piece is just being locked in because if you're a true hooper, when you in that place where you got all these fans yelling while you're trying to shoot a free throw and you if you're a true hooper, you're going to block that out. So at, at some point, there's nothing. So when you locked in on the court, um, you don't you don't you ain't caring about if it's a bubble. You're not caring about if I got 50 million fans over here cheering for me. You all about all you care about is getting that dug. Um, and so. 
I think that there were some 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 really good games um, this season in the bubble. I, 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 I've literally watched every single game um, throughout this playoff series. I, I don't miss a game, especially when my team is playing. Um, everybody knows I put a go on record and saying that my team is the Houston Rockets. Um, we've been failures for the past year. Our leader is not <laughs> our leader is not where we need to be. But I also still blame it on go back to our, our coach, right? I feel like our, our coach is not where where we need right now for for this team. He doesn't have a true control over the team. He let James Harden do whatever he want to do. But um, in the bubble, I just feel like you just got to be locked in. And I don't, I don't want to hear excuses after this is over. It's like, oh, well, this it was just a bubble or it was this or whatever. Um, nah, it it was it was a concentration. How focused were you? And that's what that's what I I take from it. And there's gonna be so many different aspects on what they think. Um, what the what the bubble done for the NBA season and how it's gonna change basketball for the future. But I think that. Um, it's really, it's really good though. I, I, I like it. I enjoy it. There's other people that that don't like it. I didn't like that atmosphere, but I think it's good because I just, I just like to see who's locked in, who re- who's really here for the game of basketball, who's who's here to lock, link up with the fans afterwards, right? You won't have you have those two type of players, but um, I think I think it was good. Um, I think that this was like a trial run. So if we have to go into the bubble again, I say, you know, I say we because like I'm part of the <laughs> NBA circle because <laughs> that's how that's how in tune I am. Um, but if we have to have a, a bubble season next year, right? I think that they get to kind of see what it'll look like and how they'll change their perspective going into it. Um, um, and like I said, we just had a lot going on during this season um, with the 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 political side of it, right? We got to see the NBA in a more political. Um, format this time using their their platforms to really speak up about social injustices in the community, which I really love. Um, and I just think that they need to continue to do that because the NBA is um, a lobbyist for the, the some of the laws that we currently have in state. And so they need to uh, really understand how much power they really truly have um, with their platform. Um, and when they decided to boycott, like, I loved it. Um, I was just kind of hoping that when they did boycott, like, they came back with a list of demands, like, these are the things we want to see happen before we decide to play again, um, before they, you know, just kind of took the court um, again a few days later. But it, in, anything is better than nothing at, at any point. Um, but I'm also a big WNBA fan, too. I follow WNBA, too, like, and I, I'm really big on that because um, I feel like, you know the the pay the pay gap between the the men and the women. Um, that's a big controversial issue. And then just like the the amount of fans that the, the WNBA has versus to what the the NBA has. And so it put both of them on the same platform this year to say, hey, we just playing with what we have. We playing with our intensity. We playing with our heart, and we doing it. And it, it wasn't this this season, which just brought a different element to. Um, the the civil unrest that are going on. I feel like with this this season, we got to really see the the NBA players tap into that political side and use their voices, use their jerseys, use their facilities to talk about um, the the injustices that were going on in the world. And I, I think that was a, a really great play for them, a really great move because um, sports really is like the back. Sports is the backbone of our country, um, especially basketball and football. Like. That's why they call the Cowboys America's team. Like everybody loves the Cowboys, um, except for some few like me. I'm a Texans fan, um, and and my fiance is a Cowboys fan. So house divided. And when it comes to basketball, I'm a I'm a Houston Rockets fan. He's a a, a Miami Heat fan. Um, oh, so wow. as you can imagine, right? He's going for Miami. But um, all in all, I'm not gonna give you 
I'm not going to give you my final prediction because my bracket was blown first round. <laughs> but yeah. I really think I think I think Braun is going to take this, but I think I think the um the the Lakers are going to take it just from a from a bigger standpoint. They just had a lot going on and my number one and my favorite player rest in peace to Kobe Bean Bryant um wore number 24 all through college, all through college, all through high school. So um Kobe really like set the stage for me and I tried to emulate his game in so many ways. Um, and so I think that with the Lakers, I think that, that that's what they're really trying to go for. That this championship is not about them. It's not about, about anybody else. It's all about um, paying homage to Kobe's legacy this year. So um, I think that, yeah, I think that's the way it's going to end up. The, the Miami they've had, they've had a really good run um, this time. They overcame a lot. Um, during this season, um, they made it further than a lot of people. I, I don't, I don't, I can't even tell you if there's anybody I know that had Miami in their bracket this year, unless you were a true diehard Miami fan and you just was like, I don't really care about the outcomes. I'm just choosing Miami just because that's the only way I could see somebody having Miami in their final, um, two in their final bracket for the championship. But yeah, um, this one, I, th- I think this one goes to LA though. But I hope Miami puts up a really good fight because this is our, like our last little chance before we turn over into full football. So man, I was telling my, <laughs> my, my friend there earlier today, I was like, man, I want LeBron to win the ring for Kobe and just for like the Lake show and everything else. But I don't want it to end yet, man, because I mean, right. I, I like football, but it's just, I, I'm not, I, when it comes to, I, when it comes to football, I prefer college football over NFL. That's mm-hmm. my personal preference. But I'm just like, uh, it's just nothing like being able to come home and just knowing that you got a good game on, man. Miami is so hard. And I kind of, I kind of peaked them before, uh, before like the shutdown and everything else. I was like, Miami low-key got, 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 got some hoopers on their team. I just don't know how far they can go. But they got some people on the team that can, they can, they can really ball. And, um, man, I, I hate that, that, that Jimmy, uh, the dragon and, and bam, not a hundred percent right now because I really want to see. I because I was low key scratching my head before game one. I was like, man, this ain't gonna be no easy finals. <laughs> like they gonna have to really come come hard. But um, yeah, so. I, I, I agree with you because Jimmy made he made his own quote before it started. He said, "We are not the underdogs and going into this and." I, I believed him. I was like, I, I felt like they was gonna come with some fire, some intensity, and you know, I, I'm I'm pulling for Jimmy buckets because he's a Texas native. He's from Tom Ball, yeah. so yeah. you know, right outside of Houston, right there. So, um, pulling for him, Tyler Hero. He really been balling right now. Um, I, I love to see you know uh, rookies come in and really you know make their name known um, on the court. Um, um, but I also I also like to um, see that the uh, that um what's his name Drag- Dragic you know he just recently got hurt so he's out he tore his plantar fasciitis or whatever in his foot so I feel like that's gonna be a real impact to the outcome of this series if if they're not fully healthy and um they they won't they won't put up uh, the fight that we were thinking they were gonna put up but um nevertheless you know they made it but they already knew when you when you went up against King Braun there's only so much you can do. Right. Hey, that's <laughs> too much. Too much. Ten finals. That's peaceful. Yeah. Peaceful. He's unstoppable. That's like he's like a freight train. Freight train coming. Yeah. 
And I I didn't realize how big it was until I saw him next to Bam, and I was like, damn. Yeah. And then you got to think about you like you you got to try to find an answer for Braun, and if you finally decide to get find an answer for Braun, then you got to think about oh I got to find an answer for AD. So hey, they was doomed from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I thank you so much again for for hopping on the the Kingdom podcast, Inspired Kingdom, sharing your kingdom again with us. This this won't be the last. I, I want to um, have you and and and. And hopefully your 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 soon to be husband on uh working on 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 the second season about um love black love specifically mm-hmm. and kind of just kind of getting 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 perspectives because you know they say it's two sides of every story so I know you talk about love and basketball you got some got some buckets but he probably got some on you too so we can't oh, nah, keep it yeah. one side you know what I mean he, yeah he he got me I, I can't say I just I, I ain't dog him out or nothing like that but, um, I, I know I know that he would he would be excited to join the podcast because when I told him that I was doing it he was like man I wish somebody would invite me on their podcast because he is a black entrepreneur he is a CEO of his, of his company um Alert Brand and so he he He's looking for his opportunity to go on somebody's podcast so he could talk about his black owned business um as he started up from the ground up. And so yeah, um I know that he he would love the opportunity for us to come back um on the podcast and just talk about black love and, and whatever else it is that you have to offer. Well, again, I appreciate you. I'm sorry that we went over a little bit, but um it, it was time well spent. I can't wait for your episode to come out and um the next- Thank you. I appreciate you for um, inviting me on to the podcast. This has been a um, wonderful time spent. Um, like you said, I'm always about um, enlightenment, um, building each other up, talking about our stories and um, talking about how what we did in the past and how we're moving on into the future. So let's continue that and let's continue to bridge the gap. Um, and let's just, just continue to be divine in, in who we are every day. All right. Thank you for listening. Remember to stay plugged in, stay blessed and ask yourself, what are you doing to inspire your kingdom?